0: Man, well, it's good to be here tonight and um, Calvary Baptist Church holds a special place in my heart and uh, Pastor Kuhlman mentioned you loved on me while I was here. I was a punk kid back then. I'm still a punk but not a kid anymore and uh, it, it's good to be here tonight. Calvary Baptist Church was definitely a, um, a big part of uh, teaching me, training me for the ministry and I uh, just appreciate all of the opportunities that I was afforded during my time here um, as it was mentioned got to serve with the uh, the children's church and with the children's choir the bus ministry and I got to preach several times while I was here as well and so just a blessing it's good to see a lot of faces that were here when I was here also good to see uh, several new faces as well that's always a blessing it means that the church is growing adding people and so it's just it's good to be here tonight I want to invite you to grab your bibles this evening and turn to uh, the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 8 this evening. 1 Samuel chapter number 8, and we'll begin in verse number 1 tonight. And um, I don't know if it's necessarily your practice, but I'm going to ask you once you get there, if you're able, if you'd stand in reverence to God's Word as we read together. 1 Samuel chapter 8, and uh, we're going to begin in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. Alright, right. First Samuel chapter 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not. Reign over them. Tonight I want to talk about where our focus is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord God, thankful. Thankful to be in your house on this Monday night. Lord, thankful to be with your people. And thankful uh, that we get to celebrate, Lord God, 60 years of faithfulness in this local New Testament church. Father, we thank you for the light that Calvary Baptist Church has been to this community for so long. And Lord God, we pray that you would continue to use them here as a lighthouse um, for those that are around them, Lord God. We pray that you would continue to uh, bring people in, that souls would continue to be saved. And Lord God, should you tarry, we just pray that uh, that Calvary Baptist Church would continue to move forward for you. Lord, be with us now as we open up your word. I pray that you just, uh, Father, just use me as your mouthpiece, give me clarity of speech and of mind. and. Fill me with your spirit. We thank you for all that you do. We love you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read to you a couple of prayers written by children. And um, illustrates a point, and I'll tell you what that is in just a moment here. But let me read these to you. The first one is a young man who prayed, Dear God, maybe Cain wouldn't have killed Abel, If they had their own bedrooms. That's what my mom did for me and my brother. The second one is a little boy. He prayed, dear God, I bet it's very hard to love everyone in the whole world. There's only four people in our family and I'm having a hard time loving all of them. Another one prayed, dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was that an accident? Another little boy prayed, dear God, thank you for the baby brother. But I think you got confused because what I prayed for was a puppy. One little girl prayed, Dear God, please send me a pony. I never have asked for anything before. You can look it up. Another little boy prayed, Dear God, please send a new baby for Mommy. The baby you sent last week cries too much. And one little girl prayed, Dear God, could you please give my brother some brains? So far he doesn't have any. Now, these are silly prayers, silly petitions. But I would submit to you tonight that often in a lack of understanding, we are looking for the Lord to do some things that uh, we ought not be desiring in our life. You say, well, why do you bring that up? 60 years of faithfulness, what a blessing that is to celebrate. And tonight, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I just want to encourage you to remain faithful. I want to encourage you to keep your focus where it ought to be. And what does the Bible tell us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2? It says, looking unto Jesus... The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Our focus, church, ought to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you look in the book of Revelation, uh, the seven churches in Asia, the first one mentioned is the church in Ephesus. And uh, really, when you when you go there and you, you read what the Lord has to say to the church in Ephesus, and for sake of time, we're not going to turn there right now. But when you look at what the, what the Lord has to say to the church in Ephesus, that church was actually it was a faithful church in a lot of ways. The Bible said that they, they hated evil. Uh, they tried those who called themselves apostles and were not. They um, born. They had patience. They labored. But the problem in Ephesus that the Lord pointed out is that they had left their first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. I would submit to you tonight that we can be faithful in a lot of things. We can be faithful in serving in the local New Testament church. We can be faithful in our prayer life. We can be faithful in even reading our Bible. We can be faithful in witnessing to people, and yet we can still lack in our love for Jesus Christ. And we need to be careful that we don't lose sight of where we ought to be focused. Uh, Calvary Baptist Church didn't get this far by following the example that the world sets for perpetuity. Calvary Baptist Church has gotten this far by keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and keeping Him the main goal. And let me just say this, as a church, um, that doesn't always mean that you're just going to explode in numbers. And this church... Uh, this church may never grow to be a thousand people, two thousand people, or uh, high and great numbers like that. And maybe it will. The Lord may bless in that way. But stay faithful to Christ. Because ultimately that's what matters. Stay faithful to Christ. And as we look at uh, the children of Israel here, I want you to see tonight that they lost sight of what was important. And I hope to encourage you, but but I, I really am hoping to challenge you tonight in keeping your focus on God, keeping your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, um, not only in your personal life, but also as a church. And so with that, I just want to point to um, a, a, few, a few different things that Israel did wrong here. And then, I also want to point to our God and how he reacted. And so if you're taking notes tonight, point number one, I want you to notice the problem with their petition. The problem with their petition. And um, here's what the problem was. They sought a carnal solution to a spiritual problem. They sought a carnal solution to a spiritual problem. Look again with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse number 3. And the Bible tells us about the sons of Samuel. It says, And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Now, what was wrong with that? Well, there's plenty of things wrong with that, but here's the main problem. In verse number 1, the Bible says that Samuel made his sons judges over Israel. These, these boys, they were to be judges over Israel, but they weren't anything like their father. Samuel, was, he was an upright man. He feared God. He walked with the Lord, and his sons didn't have that quality about them. And the elders of Israel, they saw this problem. Now, can I just tell you, it's okay for them to have recognized this problem. It was a real problem. It was a spiritual problem. But they sought a carnal solution to fix it. And they went to Samuel, and they said, hey, make us a king like the other nations. Can I just tell you, that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's will. And oftentimes in our own life, and even at times in the local New Testament church, we can be looking at spiritual things And trying to bring in secular ideas. We can be looking at spiritual problems even and trying to bring in carnal solutions. Let me um, just give you a quick example of that. Um, One thing that we're going to see in the local New Testament church is at times um, we might have ought between one another. And the Bible is very clear on how ought between brothers and sisters in Christ is to be handled. Bible says, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And then Jesus um, lays out a couple more steps for us. If your brother won't hear you, then it's to, be, um, it's to be taken before two or three witnesses. And if he won't hear them, it's to be taken before the church and so on and so forth. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, you can look that up. Nonetheless, that that very first step, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And oftentimes, even in Christianity, we look at something like that, and we don't want to handle our strife that way. In fact, I've had people tell me, well, preacher, that doesn't work for me. Well, if God's way doesn't work for you, I don't know what will. Because that's what God tells us to do. And uh, many of the problems that arise in churches really could be prevented if people would just, on a one-on-one basis, take care of their strife between one another. If you, um, if you want to sow discord among brethren, start gossiping. Start telling somebody else how this brother over here offended you. The Bible says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Discover not a secret to another. And that's really, again, that's not my focus tonight. But here, here's the thing is often we're adopting the world's philosophies. We've got a, a couple in our church who um, they've got a family member that got upset with them years ago. And this family member of theirs went to um, a, a worldly counselor, a secular counselor. And that counselor told this family member, he said, um, when it's time to get right with your family, you'll know. Until then, just don't worry about it. And so it's it's been years now that this family has basically been split up because some secular counselor told them, hey, when it's time, you'll know. When it's time to make things right, you'll know. You know what God says? He says, make it right right now. Go talk to them now. Go get it taken care of right now. Can you imagine the discord that would sow in the local New Testament church if we as individuals, when we were upset with people, we decided, well, when it's time to get right with them, I'll know. You're just going to be bitter with that person forever. And eventually it'll probably drive you out of the church and you'll just leave angry. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Discover not a secret to another. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Take care of the ought between one another. But that's that's how we take the world's philosophies and we try to solve spiritual problems with the world's philosophies. The Bible tells us that we are to seek after Christ. Beware lest, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. God's word must be first and foremost. Here, Israel had a real problem, but they looked to the world for a solution. Give us a king like the other nations. I think one of the things that we are seeing in many churches today is a pragmatic approach to worshiping God. A pragmatic approach to worshiping God. Hey, what does the world do? Maybe that'll work for us. And and quickly, church becomes less about preaching the word of God... And more about entertaining the congregation. Hey, church, church isn't a place we ought to come to be entertained. And, and frankly, we ought to come expecting that at times we're going to get our toes stepped on through the preaching of the Word of God. Amen? And that's not pleasant, and we don't like that. But if God's going to continue to conform us to the image of His Son, it's something that we're going to need consistently in our life. Because i got to tell you, I'm a sinner. And you are too, amen? We're all sinners. We need God to do a work in our life. And if we are trying to solve those spiritual problems with the world's solutions, um, it's going to leave us empty, it's going to leave us upset, and it's not going to do anything for us, ultimately. We'll just be miserable. Um, E.M. Bounds once said, What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. Uh, Dave Hardy said in his book on worship, the scriptures make it plain that men do not seek God. So the pastor and the people must go after them. The alternative is to offer something they do seek, which greatly includes entertainment. It's true. And there's many ways we could apply this tonight. But um, on a personal level, Christian, if you're trying to satisfy yourself with the things of this world, you're, you're going to be a miserable individual. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I truly believe this. The most miserable people in this world are not those who don't know Christ. It's those who do know Christ and are trying to live for the world and live for Christ at the same time. I believe those are the most miserable people. And unfortunately, we live in a society today where I would say... That's a good majority of Christians. We wonder why church is not attractive to the world. It's not because we're not doing the things that the world is doing. Now, I praise, I praise God for good churches like Calvary Baptist Church that is not trying to entertain people. But church is not going to be attractive to the world if we just try to look like the world and worship Christ at the same time. Yeah. People who don't know Jesus Christ, they need to see a difference in you and me. Uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They need to see, hey, there's something different with these people than there is in the world. And there's something different with this church than there is in my worldly support groups. And there's something different about these folks than there is with my co-workers. And, uh, man, we're trying to find happiness in money. We're trying to find it in entertainment. We're trying to find it even in things like family. And there's nothing Wrong with family. And frankly, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Those things are okay, but they shouldn't be what drives us every day. If Jesus Christ is not our focus, we're going to have a problem. And Jesus told the church in Ephesus, Hey, you've left your first love. A lot of things were good. You labored. You were patient. They hated wickedness. But they they lost sight of what was important. Israel here saw a serious problem. And it it was something that needed to be addressed. But in in seeking a solution, they looked to the world. And I want you to notice that it caused them to be very casual in their approach to God. So casual that they, they forgot that God was the one they answered to. Because who did they go to? They go to Samuel, and they don't say, say, ask of God for a king for us. They say, get us a king. They don't say, hey, find out if this is okay with the Lord. They say, get us a king. Israel had struggled with culture since the day they left Egypt. Remember, when Moses was up on the mountain, they, they made that golden calf, and that was... Uh, that that calf that was something that they would have seen in Egypt consistently, and uh, they just decided, hey, Moses has been gone too long. Let's let's make ourselves uh, another god, uh, folks. They had just crossed the Red Sea on dry land. They had just seen the the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. They had seen God smite the firstborn of Egypt. I mean, these people had seen miraculous things, and Moses has gone a little too long, and they say, hey. Make us another God. And so they create this figure, this, uh, this, this false God to worship. Why? Because it's what they had seen. It's what they knew. It's what the world had taught them. In our quest to solve some spiritual problems with the world's solution, we often forget who our God is. It was mentioned earlier, we're to worship God and the beauty of His holiness. I think sometimes we forget the transcendence of our God. The Bible says, He is a consuming fire. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we're more comfortable with the baby in the manger than we are with the consuming fire that our God is. When you go before God, and I, I, I love what the Bible tells us, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace, but that doesn't mean to irreverently approach the throne of grace. When we come before the Lord, when we come before him with petition, how often do you and I come before God demanding things of him? God, you did this to me. Fix it. God, get me out of this hole. How often are we praying for things that God's not even going to honor? How about another example? We had a, a, a young man in our youth group years ago who um, he was getting ready to go into college and there was a girl from the public high school that he really liked. He felt like he was in love with her. He asked, hey, would, would you pray that me and her would get together? I thought, God's not going to honor that. And, and what he was starting to talk about marriage, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and we often are praying to God, asking him, hey, Lord, would you do this for me? And it goes directly against his word. Bible says, ye have not because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. We, uh, I think we're discouraged sometimes because we're asking God to do things in our life that he doesn't want for us, and we throw up our hands and we say, well, God doesn't answer prayer. Well, maybe you ought to pray the right things. <laughs> maybe, maybe you ought to pray for his will in your life. Israel they got casual with their approach to God they came to Samuel they didn't say hey ask God about a king they said Samuel get us a king we don't want judges your sons are a problem so just get us a king like the other nations when we come before the Lord do we come before him in reverence Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. How often do we go before God in prayer and just sit silently for a while? Maybe that sounds silly. Do you ever go to the Lord and just kind of wait to hear from Him? Do you ever go to the Lord and just contemplate His holiness? You know, the Lord, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which really was just a format for prayer, he starts out by telling us how to pray. He says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He started with worship and praying for God's will. Oftentimes we're just like Israel. We go before God we say, God, get this for me now. God, take care of this in my life. And our, our prayer life, more than anything, becomes supplication. What is supplication? It's just us asking for God to fulfill our needs. And supplication's good. God will take care of our needs. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for your life what, uh, what ye shall eat, what you shall drink. And, and he goes on. Oftentimes, so we're, we're going before God. The first thing we're saying is, God, I, I need this. If you are a, a parent, can you imagine if that was that was your whole relationship with your child? And listen, I don't, I don't know everyone in here tonight. Maybe that is a relationship that you have with one of your children. It's just one-sided. Every time they come, they just want something. Yeah, my son, he hasn't spoken to me in three years, but he called me last night asking for money. What a sad relationship that would be. And, and again, if you're here tonight, you find yourself in that situation. I I'm sorry for you. I'm not trying to throw that at you or anything like that, but we do that to our God all the time. We come before him when we need something. We forget who he is. So the problem with their petition, it was a carnal solution to a spiritual problem, but I also want you to look at the protest of the Lord. Verse number 9, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. What does the Lord have to say about this? He says, now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And let's, let's continue to read because I want you to see what he says. He says, uh, verse number 11, he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He'll take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he'll appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties. And will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest. And to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he'll take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he'll take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants, And he'll take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and his servants. And he'll take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He'll take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Hey, Christian. Just like the Lord sent a message through Samuel, I I believe the Bible teaches us that God places folks in our life to make those protests at times. He's given you a pastor who loves you, who loves this church, who preaches God's word, and your pastor may come to you once in a while and say, hey, I noticed this in your life. That's contrary to God's word. Hey, I noticed you haven't been in church for a while, and You know, church really needs to be a priority in your life. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me also say this. As as you continue to move forward for the Lord, that is so important. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's interesting that the Bible says that. Because I think in this day and age, we, we seem to think that we just need church less. The Bible says, no, you, you need it more as we get closer to the return of Christ. Uh, this world's not getting any brighter. This world's not getting any better. Look at our society today. We are a confused society. There is wickedness in our country. And I love America, but America is not what she once was. And spiritually, America has become a dark place. Folks, the solution for the church is not to stop meeting, not to stop coming together. And it always, as a pastor, it discourages me. Sometimes people go through a hard time in their life, and one of the first things they do is they stop coming to church. Oh, you're going through a hard time. You're having relationship issues. Maybe you're having financial issues. You're struggling with something in life, and you think getting out of the house of God and getting away from God's people is going to help you? You need that assembling. You need that exhortation. Um, and, and let's go off script for just a moment here. Go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In the book of Galatians, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. In the local New Testament church, we bear the burdens of one another. And I want to show you what the Bible says about how that takes place at times. 1st I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, chapter number 1. Second Corinthians, chapter 1, and verse number 3. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says this. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Praise the Lord for that. He's not the God of some comfort. He is the God of all comfort. And he comforts you in all tribulation. And Paul goes on to say that, verse number 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. But catch this, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You know what Christ does in the local New Testament church? He comforts people. And then he uses those people to comfort other people that go through similar things. And sometimes it may not be that you've gone through similar things. You may not face the same circumstance as somebody else. But you've been through tragedy in your life. And you saw God come through. And you can go to someone who's struggling and say, Hey, listen, I know it looks bad right now, but God's faithful. I know it looks bad right now, but God can get you through this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. We often say God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle. That's the verse that we get that from. You may be able to bear it. Hey, it's true, Christian. God's not going to throw anything your way that he's not going to give you the grace to get through. Paul talked about the infirmity of the flesh that plagued him, and he besought the Lord three times to remove it from him. And the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And sometimes the way that God strengthens us is he brings our Christian brothers and sisters our way to say, Hey, I've been there. God can get you through this. Hey, I've seen God do this in my life, and he, He's going to help you too. You know, our, our God is faithful, and I'm I'm thankful that He puts people into our life to be a blessing to us. I already mentioned earlier, I'm so thankful for Calvary Baptist Church. I'm thankful for the time that I got to be here, the time that I got to serve here. Now, this was the first church that I ever interned at. I mean, in a lot of ways... It, this, this church shaped me for where, where God would take me. Praise the Lord for that. Many of you, again, familiar faces. Some of you I've, I've not met, and I thank the Lord I get to meet you tonight. But it's so good to come back and see people staying faithful. Staying faithful to the things of God. And I get to rejoice. I get to say, man, those are, those are the people who loved me, who were gracious to me. When I was just a kid, when I, uh, I, I had no clue what I was doing and you put up with me, I praise the Lord for that. Oh, that's a great blessing. It's a great blessing. God used you in my life. And, and maybe you don't even know it. I had um, a preacher point something out to me recently and yeah, this was a good thought. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that um, at times we may entertain angels unawares. You know, and he pointed out to me, and, and take it or leave it, he said, you know, what if that scripture is talking about the fact that sometimes we meet somebody who the Lord has called to pastor one day. You know what an angel is in the Bible? It's a messenger. It's not always talking about a divine messenger from heaven. In fact, you go into the book of Revelation, the seven churches, the, those letters are written to the angels of those churches. It's talking about the pastor. And I may be wrong on that, but even so, it's it's a true and a good thought that at times you are meeting and helping to shape people that one day will answer the call of God in their life to preach, to be a missionary to do great things for God. And you could, you could go through books in history and you'll find story after story, example after example of that exact same thing happening where some troubled, troubled boy uh, went to church and somebody invested in him and he went on to be the next great preacher. Folks, in, invest in one another. Let God use you to be a blessing to one another. There's going to be times that God protests what we're doing. And you may be praying for something individually, saying, hey, you know, I, I believe this is God's will. One of the things I see a lot of in this day and age, um, our state, Oregon, we're very similar to California in a lot of ways, in our politics for sure. There's a lot of people on the West Coast, Christians, who are moving away from their local New Testament church to go to a different political climate. And I understand sometimes the Lord does move us. but I think a lot of times people are just saying, hey, I'm tired of these politics and I want out. And their pastor comes alongside them and says, well, is there a good reason that you're doing this? Is there a good reason that you believe this is of the Lord? And, and a lot of people say, well, yeah, I prayed about it. Well, did you actually pray about it? Is that really God's will in your life? Um, my state, Oregon, is the most unchurched state in the nation. We go back and forth with the state of Washington as number one and two. Very spiritually dark corner of our country. And I tell our people all the time, hey, the solution to that is not God's people leaving the state. We got to stick and stay and make it pay. Oftentimes, so we're saying, not so, Lord. Get me out of here. And God protests in our life. He sends a pastor. He sends a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. God warns us of the consequences when we refuse to obey his word. And when we continue down the path that God's warned us against, there's going to be times just like with Israel. He says, okay, try it your own way. Psalm chapter 81, verses 11 through 12, but my people would not hearken unto my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts, or excuse me, to their own hearts lust, and they walked in their own counsels. The Bible says, there's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes God's going to let you go your own way. And unfortunately, you have to deal with the consequences. God warned Israel of the consequences. Their response, verse number 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. and They said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. Hey, Samuel says, This isn't my message. This is what God said. The People say, Nope, get us a king. Oh, their hearts were hardened. And so God gave them the king that they asked for. And if you know anything about Saul, he did exactly what the Lord said he would do. And so tonight, really, the first two points, they had a carnal solution to a spiritual problem. We see the protest of the Lord. He says, hey, listen, do this and there's going to be consequences. And church, if I could just encourage you tonight, keep your eyes on Christ. What does he want for you? What does he want for the direction of Calvary Baptist Church? And there may be times as a member, you look at the direction of the church and and you say, well, you know, I I don't like some of the things that we're doing. I don't like that we sing three hymns instead of four. And I don't like that the pews are blue or whatever it may be. But, I mean, does that really matter? Sometimes we'll make a big stink about things that just don't matter at all. And, and we get disgruntled. Sometimes, you know, maybe the church says, hey, we're going to add a Sunday school class. Or, or, hey, I believe this is the direction that the Lord's taking us. We, right now our church is looking at purchasing a new building. We've Got a couple people that are a little bit nervous about that. And sometimes, now we have to steward God's money properly, but sometimes we also have to take a little bit of a step of faith and let God guide and direct. Let me finish with this. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you've disobeyed the Lord at some point, And you're seeing some consequences in your life. I want you to notice the power of our God. Turn to chapter 12. We'll finish with this. Chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 16. The Bible says, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. 1 Samuel 12, verse 16. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord. And Samuel, and all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then... Should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Verse number 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Christian, there are going to be times that we all find ourselves having stepped outside of the will of God, and that's at times, if not always, going to come with some consequences. When that happens, turn back to God. Obey Him. For consider how great things He has done for you. And maybe you've seen some consequences in your life that are not reversible, but I want to tell you, God can still bless you. He's not going to bless us going in a wrong direction. But in spite of the mistakes, He can still bless our life. He can still use us for His will. As a church, and I don't want to liken Calvary Baptist Church to the church in Sardis in the book of Revelation. But the church in Sardis, was a, it was a church that was spiritually dying. And the Lord told them, He said, Strengthen that which remains. Hey, there's a good start right there. Maybe you've been backsliding. Maybe maybe you haven't been drawing close to the Lord. Maybe you haven't been getting in His Word. You've been unfaithful to church, whatever it may be. First and foremost, strengthen the things that are still there. You say, well, I haven't been faithful in church, but I'm reading my Bible. Strengthen that. Do that more. And then get back in church as well. And, And strengthen your prayer life. Strengthen that which remains and move forward for God. Get back into His will. One of the... Greatest verses to me in all of the Bible, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean that the consequences of sin won't be there anymore. But you are only ever one prayer away from being right with God. So if you're here tonight, you've been struggling in your walk with him, make tonight the night that you start over. Make tonight the night that you start moving the right direction. As a church, keep your focus on Christ, and he'll continue to bless. And should the Lord tarry, I pray that Calvary Baptist Church is around for another 60 years, serving God faithfully, preaching his word faithfully. In a dark world, let us be a light for our God. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.